This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We rejoice in welcoming everyone to the worship of the Lord Christ this morning, especially if you are visiting with us today and an extra special welcome to those who are here for the baptisms. We're so glad you can be a part of this wonderful and important event for your family. And uh, we're, as we welcome our guest, if everyone could take a moment to sign the friendship register and pass it along and get to know one another in the pew. And if you're visiting, give us some additional information, such as your email address and telephone number. We'd love to share with you more about what's happening here at Brick Church. Everyone is invited to a coffee hour in the Fellowship Hall, Watson Hall in the basement. You can go through these doors and you'll find some stairs to make your way down. We hope you'll come and join us for that. There is a new member class starting February 4th. There is a, a QR code in your bulletin that you can scan and learn more and sign up to become a part of that new member class. If you're exploring or ready to join, either way, come and get to know other people who are going to be new members and visitors of the church as we explore what it means to be a part of the Brick family of faith. And now we will have a minute for mission from Elder Graham Clark. My name is Graham Clark. I'm the vice chair of the All Church Nominating Committee. One of the unique and special traditions of the Presbyterian Church is that we, the congregation, get to elect the leaders of the church. This is done each year. We are beginning that process for the Brick Church now for officers for next year. We are starting a little bit earlier this year to allow us to have the all congregational meeting a little bit earlier. That's the meeting where we um, approve the nominees. That way we have more time for the uh, training and integration of the new leaders. The All Church Nominating Committee is seeking you, your suggestions for Brick Church officers. We need you to help identify the best possible candidates whom God is calling to take positions of responsibility at our church. We are identifying candidates for deacons, ruling elders, trustees, and 2025 All Church Nominating Committee members. Please prayerfully consider recommending members of the Brick Church as candidates for these positions. Important criteria to consider including a commitment to the church, regular attendance at worship, time and willingness to serve, and personal characteristics of dedication, good judgment, and the ability to work well with others. Self-nominations are also accepted. And here's the key thing. The deadline for submissions is February 6th. So that's very soon. There is a link that was the link in the church blast email that we all receive and on the website on the officers page to make nominations. You can also pick up paper um, nomination forms in the garden room and you can return them there. Thank you very much.
please stand as you're able. And please join me in this call to worship. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By discernment, he established the heavens. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. The Lord has created humankind in his image and likeness to worship and serve him in our dominion over living creatures and the whole earth. We will give thanks to you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Although we are alienated from God because of sin and death, Jesus Christ, our Lord, has enabled us to have peace with God through his death for our sins and resurrection from the dead. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Let us worship God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have created us in your wisdom and knowledge. We thank you that you have set your love upon us in spite of our disobedience. We thank you that God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you that you have chosen to make us temples of the Holy Spirit and that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. Help us to glorify you in our lives and to pray as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, as we recognize as Christians that we sin and that we can confess our sins and receive forgiveness, uh, with this in mind, please join me in this prayer of confession. God of challenge and grace, you gave your son that we might have confidence in your power. But too often, when life becomes hard, we wither at the trials and fail to turn to you for strength. Grant us trust and courage to boldly live your calling so that when life becomes hard, we stand firm in our faith and resolute in our mission to share love, justice, and peace. God says, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Christian, know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we were called as members of one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us greet one another in the name of Christ.
seated. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. By the water and Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. On behalf of the session of the Brick Presbyterian Church, I present these parents who are bringing their children for baptism. Nicholas Patrick Bunn and B. Britt Bunn. James Irwin Hanna and Elizabeth Ann Hanna. Marcus Sigmund and Jacqueline Grace Denham Marshall Sigmund. William Cannon Whitley Jr. and Abby Brown Whitley. First, I put these questions to you, the parents of those being baptized. Do you desire that your children be baptized? Do you? Relying on the grace of God, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to nurture your children in that faith? Do you? Do you renounce all evil and powers in the world which defy God's love and righteousness? Do you? And finally, do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you? I now put this question to you, the godparents of these children. Do you promise as the godparents of these children, through prayer and example, to support and, and encourage them in the Christian faith? Do you? Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture these children by word and deed, by love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ, and by our fellowship, strengthen their family ties to the household of God. Do we? The Lord be with you. Also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. Let us pray. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling for order and life. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into freedom. In the waters of Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. By his death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and open the way to life eternal. We thank you, O God, for the water of baptism, 
For in it we are buried with Christ in his death, and from it we are raised to share in his resurrection. So pour out your spirit upon us and upon this water, that this font may be the womb of new birth. May these children be delivered from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness. Bind them to the household of faith, guard them from all evil, and strengthen them to serve you with joy. Amen. And you all are first. Can we sneak in this way? You come this way. Perfect. May I steal your child? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hello. How are you, Amelia? Hi. Please name your child. Amelia Burke. Amelia Burke. Believe it or not, I married your parents a long time ago. And they've been waiting for you. And so I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hannah family. Are you going to let me hold you? Hi. How are you? Please name your child. Gwendolyn Campbell. Gwendolyn Campbell, I know your big brother's going to watch over you all of your life. And we baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Congratulations. Thank you. She did great. Name your child. Frederick Thomas Oakland. Frederick. Frederick means peaceful ruler. <laughs> and it is my prayer for you, Frederick, that you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart all your life. Frederick Thomas, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please name your child. Louisa Gilmore. Louisa Gilmore. Louisa means famous warrior. <laughs> and Gilmore means servant of Mary. So Louisa Gilmore, it is my prayer for you that you are famous in defending the wonderful faith of Mary, her humility, and her strength. Louisa Gilmore, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
let's have the children and their parents uh, stand right here in front of the baptismal font. And now you all will hear your first children's sermon. Did you know that at your baptism, God shows you that for you, Jesus was born and laid in a manger. For you, he lived and he showed God's love. For you, he, he suffered the depths of Calvary and said, it is finished. And for you, he triumphed over the graves, grave and rose to newness of life. For you, he sits at the right hand of God and watches over the whole world. And he did all of this for you before you knew anything. O oh Lord, uphold these children by your spirit. Give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of might, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and a spirit of joy in your presence, both now and forever. Amen. Children of the covenant, you have been baptized in God's grace. Live and serve the Lord. Amen. You may return to your seats, and as they are doing so, the children are dismissed to Sunday school. is the rock upon which Christ built his church. The evidence is plain 2,000 years later. The Catholic Church stands upon his stalwart face, and all of us owe him a tremendous debt. Yet Peter, like all of us, had his struggles, but it was his arrogance that led to his own epic meltdown and greatest failure. His arrogance was that of all the disciples, he would be the one to stand by Jesus to the end. In this simple exchange between Jesus and Peter, we can hear the echoes of our own pride. Let us pray. God of searing truth, may your word sweat the dross of our own self-deception, so that we too might become your rock of faith, hope, and love. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 35. Then Jesus said to them, you will all become desirous because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, though all become digitous because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples, the word of the Lord. Amen. He was at times impulsive, affectionate, slow to catch on, the first to understand. He was courageous and at other times cowardly. His roughly hewn mannerisms and his thick provincial accent gave him the ability to relate to the people. He was one of them. You and I see him as one of us, full of all the noble good things that are a gift from God, but also burdened by his own weaknesses, his doubts, and his selfish intendance, which all too often overwhelmed his best hopes. As the book Who's Who in the New Testament explains, Peter represented shifting sand more than the rock that Jesus called him. Peter, the blue-collar fisherman of Galilee, an unlikely hero for the church. But as church historian Ronald Brownrigg wrote, the language of the church is not the jargon of fanatics, but of the simple speech of fishermen. Peter perhaps began his journey, maybe hearing John the Baptist wail at the decrepit state of the moral turpitude of his day. Perhaps he was too extreme for Peter, but when Jesus came by, who called him, Peter went. And Peter had a spectacular showing as a disciple and was given a privileged position. He saw Jesus turn water into wine. He walked on water. He proclaimed Jesus was the Messiah. He was one of only three to witness the transfiguration. He saw Jesus raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. He was given responsibility to prepare for the Lord's Supper. He pulled a sword at Jesus' arrest, and he said special prayers for Jesus at Gethsemane. Yet each of these items could be seen as more of a, a failure than a success. Jesus rebuked him after he proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah for failing to understand. He sank when he walked on the water. He tried to build a shrine at the Transfiguration. And he slept at the Garden of Gethsemane. And finally, Jesus rebuked him for pulling out that sword at his arrest. A mixed bag of a man. At one moment, he shines forth as an example for all of us. And another time, he 
signifies the self-absorbed and too concerned with his own agenda. <laughs> it seems chance more than anything would determine whether Peter would succeed or fall flat on his face. Yet, despite Peter's waffling ways, Jesus called him the rock upon whom his church would be built. But before Peter would become that granite stalwart of faith, he would have his own epic meltdown of sorts. It would be his greatest failure, denying the Christ. Peter's denial goes to the root of all of our stumbling blocks. He believes that he's invincible, that he can simply screw up his will and do what is right, so that when Jesus tries to warn him that he'll become a failure, he says, no, Lord, I won't do it. And then Jesus insists, yes, you will. And so Peter redoubles his denial in this moment. Even though I die, I will never deny you. We know that didn't go too well for Peter. Peter's denial shows us that it's not merely our weaknesses that is our challenge, but our failure to admit them. And then we encounter this incredible scene that unfolds in Peter's denial. First, there is a woman of so-called lower social status who is a maid and sees Peter and says, surely you were with them. And Peter, rather than quietly answering this person, we are told by the Gospel of Matthew that before everybody that's there, Jesus says, I do not know the man. And then a little while later, another person spots Peter. And this time he levels up his denial and we are told he swears an oath. I swear, I do not know the man. And then finally, in the third encounter, we are told the entire crowd of people present are insisting that Jesus was one of them. They say, we can tell by your accent that you are one of them. And this time he levels it up one more time. He not only says he doesn't know him, he not only swears an oath, but he utters a curse and then insists, I do not know the man. We sense, as the denials grow to a wider and wider audience, that Peter's weakness and pressure is building within him. And then at that moment, after his third denial, the cock crows. And he remembers what Jesus told him. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And it was then that he had his meltdown. And we are told that he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter finally sees himself clearly. 
that when the chips are down, he's not the one to jump in and take a bullet, but he's the one to run and hide behind somebody else. But Jesus had a plan. And those tears were the first step. Washington Irving had the following to say. There is a sacredness in tears. They are not a sign of weakness, but of strength. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. And they are the messengers of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition, and unspeakable love. And this is where Peter's tears would lead him. Unspeakable love. Last week we discovered that in the midst of an epic meltdown, or perhaps even to prevent one, having a friend is an essential element. But this week we discover another element, the truth. The truth about ourselves. The truth that there might be others out there that have keener financial minds that others might understand educational principles better than you do. More musical talent, a better grasp at economics, or more adept at navigating the office politics. The truth is, we're not perfect, and that we will falter, and we will fail. And all too often, this is where people get stuck in those meltdowns. They get stuck in their sense of failure and the discovery of their own weakness. But Jesus would not let Peter stay stuck. He would not leave him alone in his shame. And so in the gospel, after the resurrection, Peter and Jesus have breakfast. And Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter, perhaps without thinking, says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And then he asks Peter again, do you love me more than these? Peter, getting perhaps a little bit irritated at this point, says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And then one last time, Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Well, at this point, Peter perhaps suspects that maybe Jesus thinks that he doesn't love him. Like when the math teacher asks everybody, are you sure the fifth derivative of motion is constant? Well, at that point, you really have no clue what the answer is. But Peter would try one more time. 
Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Why? Why does Jesus ask Peter three times? Is it because Jesus needed to be reassured? Hardly. It was Peter who needed to be reassured. Jesus wanted him to go past his rote answers and knee-jerk response and look down into the depths of his hearts because Jesus wanted Peter to know that Peter does, in fact, love his Lord. And perhaps he realized it. Yeah, yes, Lord, I really do. This is what Beekner had to say, that famous theologian and pastor in his book, Telling the Truth. There is no place here for either saccharine happy endings or soft-boiled hope. We have to face the truth. The first truth. We're not invincible. And until we're able to admit this, we won't get past it. But the second truth, Peter discovered that he in his heart in fact did love his Lord. And then the third truth, even though we're not perfect, even though we will all falter and fail at one time or another, Jesus still does love us. And we see that Jesus didn't give up on Peter. It's finally in which he confronts this faith that he starts to become who it was that Jesus said. It is at this moment that he turns around. He preaches the first Christian sermon that converts thousands of people. He leads the Jerusalem mission to the Jews and he raises Dorcas, a woman of so-called many great works, from the dead. And finally, as legend tells us, that he says that he wants to be crucified upside down because he doesn't feel worthy as the same death of our Lord. But there's one particular encounter that he has that to me is the most compelling. Peter is walking on his way to temple and he sees a sight that is not uncommon for us in New York City. A man on the street begging for money. This man has been lame and cannot walk. And so Peter, a man of simple means, looks at the person begging as if to say, look at me. Do I look like somebody who has any money? And that might be where most of us would stop and be on our way. But not Peter. God had changed him. 
And so he utters this incredible line, line to the man. Silver and gold have I none, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man just doesn't stand up and hobble on his way. Scripture tells us at that moment, the man is walking and leaping and praising God. Have you ever seen somebody walk after they have been unable to for so long? A soldier maimed by war. A person in a car accident through agonizing rehabilitation. Or an elderly person who doesn't know if that last fall is going to leave them in a bed for the rest of their lives. When they stand up and walk, they can feel the power and praise of God. Peter had a meltdown, but he needed it. He needed it to discover that he indeed did love God and that God loved him no matter what. And it was then that the sinking sand of Peter comes the rock-hard granite of the church which has led us for so very long. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we gather ourselves as a community in prayer, we also want you to have the opportunity to offer your personal prayers confidentially. Immediately, immediately, excuse me, immediately following worship, a member of the prayer partners team will be available at the front to pray with you. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh, wise God, our hearts overflow with gratitude because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Together we thank you, God, for being so intentional in forming each of us. Particularly, we thank you for these little ones who have been baptized before you today. At this time, we don't take for granted the love of family and friends, the laughter that fills the space, and the leadership that a brick community continues to get. Through these young ones, and indeed each life here gathered, we pray that we may see your hand moving our lives to the glory of your name. 
You are doing new things through us today, God. For all who defy the season's wintry conditions to get primary, secondary, and tertiary sectors of the world's economies running, we are so thankful. Compassionate God, in many places in our world today, there is darkness and despondency. Quiet all destabilizing forces and sources of hurt. Lord Jesus, you came to us as a child. Would you fill the hearts of the world's young with your cheer and care in these times? Invade all war-torn territories, especially Ukraine and Gaza, with your comforting peace and fulfilling provision. Likewise, God, we bear up Israel and Russia and ask that you reign in our world, God. O oh God, may the faith that we hold and the joy that you offer us percolate the space and the streets of our nation. May our lives and relationships not miss your restoration and rest, Jesus. And may we know you more than we have ever done. In Jesus' precious name, amen. My friends, every good and perfect gift comes to us from above, from our gracious God, the Lord and giver of life. So let us now, in gratitude for all that we have been given, give back to God our tithes and our offerings. Amen.
Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, accept these our tithes and our offerings. Through this practice, give us grateful hearts, able to recognize all of your perfect gifts, and use these our tithes for the good of your world. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
may be seated. In the midst of Peter realizing that he did, in fact, love his Lord, he also discovered his Lord hadn't given up on him, and he gave him a charge, a threefold charge. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That's the task that God gives all of us, is to go forth from this place and do as Peter did. And he said, I give you what I have. Let us give what we have in our hearts and our souls and all that we are, that others may walk and leap and praise God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace from this moment and forevermore. Amen.